0: Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner and thank you so much for joining us. Judge a coach not based on what he knows, but his ability to communicate effectively and ask the right questions. A few years ago as a young coach and teacher, I got a few pieces of advice from multiple men and women that I worked for. There were a common few phrases that kept coming up. Don't be their friend and don't smile until Thanksgiving. Being a young coach and teacher and having little experience in both settings, I tried to take that advice. Not only is it bad advice for my personality, it's terrible if you are wanting to build trust within any relationship. If we can't build trust, we have nothing to stand on, we have no common ground, and we will not get the best out of each player. It took me too long to realize this, and the moment I stopped worrying about these two things, my life changed, not only on the field, but also in the classroom. Communication and its role in coaching. A few years ago, I started AOTC Podcast, and with that, I get to interview some of the greatest baseball coaches around the world. I love being able to share, steal, and collaborate, but there is another massive benefit to running a podcast, editing. I guess that's not really a benefit, but that is something that we all must do to make the audio sound better. We must go through the conversation and decide what needs to stay, be cut, shortened down, turned into quotes, etc. I absolutely hate doing this, but after spending a few hours on each podcast, I got tired of listening to myself. We all hate the sound of our voice, but it's not that bad, I promise. However, my deliverance on questions was average at best. I used filler words, um, being a big one, and there was not much flow to the conversation. I tell you all of this because it helped me consciously think about how I was speaking to other people and how I was speaking to our team. If I had a hard time listening to myself, wouldn't they? So why is this important? There is little doubt that communication is the most important aspect of being a great coach. Are there many forms of this? Absolutely. This can include being a good storyteller, changes in cadence to draw them in, tone, which includes being loud or soft, and dramatic pausing can all help. Coaches usually speak quite a bit, so how can we make it mean more? And how can we say more with less? Here is some advice on some things to work on, and believe me, I know all too well because I'm continuing to work on these on a daily basis. Tell the truth. Telling the truth in a productive way is something that I have had to learn to do the last few years, and it has been extremely beneficial. What does the player want? To feel accepted, to get better, and to get more playing time. What does the coach want? The same things. Early in my career, I wanted to sugarcoat things mainly because I love our players and I knew all too well the feeling of constantly being put down as a player. Neither are very effective strategies if we want the player to get better. If we want them to trust us, we must tell the truth. Think about it in your own life. We are most brutally honest with the people that we are closest with, family and friends. For me, telling the truth always toes the line between truth and grace. This is something that we want to keep in mind and research shows that the ratio of positive to negative comments for productive output is five to one. And I recently ran across an article about the Mariners telling the truth and I absolutely loved it, which I will include in the show notes. It definitely has some great ideas and it is well worth your time. Truthful conversations are not only helpful for the player, but they help us as coaches to lead them in a direction that most benefits the player and the team. That being said, Try not to blindside the player whenever you need to have a conversation like this. They're never easy, but they are needed if we are actually coaching and not just giving feedback all of the time. Another extremely important aspect of communication is listening. And this is another aspect of communication that we all must learn. How well are we actually listening to the player? There are times I am caught up in practice coming up with an answer to their question rather than truly listening to them. There are times that they will be able to figure it out themselves, and that's what we want. It also shows a level of truth when players know that they can come to us and not be criticized or judged based on what they say. Listening also may be the most important part of communication. Asking the right questions. If I listen to how a coach asks questions, I can tell you immediately how good of a teacher and coach they are. After having over 150 conversations, I truly think that a large part of how good of a coach we are is our ability to ask good questions. We have all had conversations with other coaches who make it one-sided and about them. They do all of the talking and we are sitting there listening, wondering when they're going to stop. Think about how our players feel if we are doing that to them. Asking good questions is a large part listening and with players, it's a large part leading them to the right answer. We as coaches are part-time psychologists And this is a great opportunity for us to help them with their own career by helping them to find the answer on their own. If we can do that, they've owned it, which will not only make it more memorable, but it will also increase buy-in because they'll feel like they came up with it on their own. The coach that can ask the right questions to their players is going to get the most out of their players. So here are a few thought-provoking questions to ask during the midst of practice. Do you agree or disagree? Why? What do you feel? Different from before? Can you explain where? Are those your words or mine? When they are trying to explain something in detail. What do you think? And if they come up with something, say, let's try it. What solutions do you think would help with that? Why did you decide to start doing that? These are all questions that I have found myself using in practice quite a bit, so I would love to hear your thoughts on what you use as well. Another aspect of communication that I'm consistently working on is being concise. So how can I say more with less complex words and terms? How can I meet the player where they're at and help influence them in the simplest, most concise language? We will work with players from all differing backgrounds and it's our job to be able to connect with them. We can use fancy words we found in medical journals with some, but most may not know or care what perception and action coupling is, or the thought process behind the Bernstein theory, or what kinesthetic awareness is. They just want to get better. It's our job to be able to understand these things and explain it in a way that makes sense to the player. Every morning, the coaching staff and I would meet for breakfast and discuss the finer points of the practice plan, as well as the latest scouting reports. That allowed us to share information with one another and make sure we were on the same page in terms of the day-to-day strategy. Each coach had a high level of autonomy, and when we talked to the players, we spoke as one. Phil Jackson. Consistency is another big one for me. We want to have clear expectations on what the player needs to do and not do in the program. There will be exceptions, but usually if a player understands completely what is being asked of him or her, then they'll do their best to accomplish this for the coaching staff. We also don't want there to be any confusion on what is important to the coaching staff and have members of the staff telling players different things. If we want to make lasting behavioral changes, then we must be consistent in the behavior that we want to see. To do this, let them know when they are doing something wrong, but also praise the behavior when we see them doing something right. Behavior is learned and we are either coaching it or we are allowing it to happen. Let's end with a couple practical quick hitters. Let's treat our players as equals and not employees. They're the ones hitting, throwing, and fielding. They win games, not us. It's also their career, not ours. We will be the final decision maker, but let's work hard with them. Never leave on bad terms. If you get onto a player, always debrief as to why before they go. Try not to leave on bad terms as often as possible. Body language. We get onto our players for this. So, are we modeling it? No absolutes, yet. This goes back to telling the truth. Give them examples of things they can work on and why. Don't tell them what they need to fix without giving some practical application. In addition, Don't talk in absolutes and put them into boxes where they can't get out of. Try to end the conversation with yet. For example, you can't drive the ball to the opposite field, yet. Be a good storyteller. If we want them to listen to us intently, this can help immensely. Changes in cadence, fast or slow, tone, loud or soft, consistent eye contact with everyone, and pausing to draw them in can all be helpful. Speak their language. At least be attuned to what each generation uses as vernacular. For this one, be familiar with bet, no cap, and I'm dead. They're all great ones to break out on occasion if you need to laugh. Stop using buzzwords. I've started to ask my players, are those your words or mine? And if they only use ours, do they own it? Or are they just spouting back information to try and appease us? Try to go a day without using words that you use all the time, it's hard, but it helps expand our vocabulary immensely and it may help connect some dots with the player. Don't be afraid to talk with your players about playing time, especially if they ask in the right time and place. Be specific with feedback, give them some things to work on, and it's also a great exercise to do this with players who are in part-time roles. Tell them why, tell them you see they're working hard, or they're not, and that they will get opportunities. We will need every player on our bench in a critical part of the game to make a play. We need him or her to be ready and motivated for this. And having open lines of communication is a great way to make sure that they know their role and are prepared. And finally, praise your coaches often. Tom Rath and Donald Clifton found that when leaders make a habit of praising their staff, it increased productivity and engagement with colleagues. It also improved loyalty and led people to stay in their jobs longer. I'm a firm believer that the best coaches are the best communicators. Having a growth mindset is another one that you could argue to be number one, as well as having emotional intelligence. However, no matter if you have been a coach for three years or 30, communication that is more effective is something that we can all work on. There are many aspects of being a good coach. The hope is that this article challenged you to pick a few things to work on, and it gave you the why behind it. Have a growth mindset, consistently be working on ways that we can better relate and communicate to all the players on our team. After all, we're all in this together. Have a great week, and thank you for listening.